Welcome to Everyday People Podcast with me, Nyung Bo. I'm your everyday person whose mission is to give everyday people a platform to share their incredible story, learnings and life tools to inspire you to dream and live your best life. I believe that you don't have to be famous, turn over a million plus a year, have lots of degrees or be in a high position to have something powerful to share and leave a positive impact in your community. I believe the only prerequisite is that you are being you and you are living the amazing life that is meant to be for you. That is enough to inspire me to go live my best life. Will you join me on this journey of sharing, learning and living alongside everyday people? We are up to episode 15. My last everyday people guest for season one is Candice Tan, who is a lawyer and blogger at Legal Brew. I actually bumped into her content on LinkedIn one day and loved it so much I subscribed to the weekly newsletter that I am still a fan of today. Candice makes it clear that her blogs are for law students, lawyers and the generally curious. I'm not in law, but I am definitely the generally curious. So we ended up connecting, caught up a few times during our work break, had lots of great chats, and here we are. Yay. So welcome, <laughs> Candice. Thanks for being here. And thanks for having me, Noong. So my first question for you, I think I asked this on the first time that I met you, was you're from Singapore, and I didn't realise this. Yes. Yeah, so I was born in Singapore. Family was fantastic, and they always encouraged learning and growth. But school was super intense. You know, when I was 12, we have to all sit this crazy exam. It's based on the German model where you get streamed into different cohorts and schools. And some schools have a direct path to university and some schools don't. So from a very young age at 12, you might already know that you're never going to make it to university. At 12 years old? At 12. You know that your fate is based on what happens. On what happens. And that's terrible for late bloomers because what happens is I'd have a couple of friends and who decided that they wanted to explore more sports and things like that. But that means that you have very little time left over to essentially do your work and do your homework. So my parents looked at that and we, well, it wasn't my decision, but it was their decision that they wanted a a more all-rounded education, and that's why we moved to Melbourne. Um, So I moved after year six, so I was 13 when I came to Melbourne. Was that the reason why your parents decided to move, or was it mainly because there was more opportunities? Well, a combination of them realising that you actually have to be a more all-rounded human being, and you can't just be someone who is great at studies and, Mm. you know, being able to spew algebra from you know, all ends and like that wasn't a measure of your worth as a human. And they realized that actually you have to be interested in other things like arts and sports and actually have a healthy lifestyle. And, you know, it's not all about competing with other people on a grade point average. Wow, you have great parents. Yeah. So yeah, they're fantastic. So So how old were they when they made that decision for you? So they were in their like late 40s. Yeah. So they've been working for a while, so they have the experience and have that insight. Yeah. And what did their friends think about them making that decision? Because that would be different to what everyone else is doing. I think there were a lot of people who sort of said, well, why are you moving? And, you know, you're sort of leaving the community and family and things like that. I mean, it was really tricky. But I think it was particularly tricky for people who move sort of mid-career or especially for my parents 
not so much for me because I went to school and I really enjoyed it. It was fantastic. <laughs> I think the main thing was having moved to Melbourne. I realized that people had all these other interests and even just classmates were interested in a whole range of things like from drama to sport. People didn't expect you to be in a certain mold. I found that incredibly refreshing. So that sounds like that's the culture of that school that you went to. Uh, um, I went to Methodist Ladies College. I mean, I was very lucky in that sense. And I would say I had a very privileged upbringing. You have that and you realise that you have to give back in some way mm. because you just can't keep it all to yourself and say, hey, this is my fence and achieve that. I think a lot of people go through life not really thinking how lucky they are. And we are all lucky in that sense because, you know, you sort of think, oh, you know, I deserved it because I worked really hard. Or, But there's actually a lot of things in your life that you have no control over, like the parents that you're born to and how they nurture you and the friends that you have um, who choose you to be their friend. So it's sort of this thing where we do live in this ecosystem where it's not just about me. It's about like the whole ecosystem of people who inspire you and mm. teach you and like bring you along to for the journey and for the ride. So, so now I want to hear how you ended up choosing law, but I did see on your LinkedIn that you mentioned you were supposed to be doing astrophysics. When I was 15, we had to do work experience and and so I wrote to the brain science department of Swinburne, which was just down the road from my school. And I didn't really hear back. So I thought, oh, maybe I should try another department. So I tried the astrophysics department and lo and behold, I could not believe my luck. Someone wrote back. My time involved a lot of coding and debugging scripts, which... Because yes. I know nothing about this. Oh, yeah. So sorry. what are you debugging? So essentially what happened was I was working with an astrophysicist who was really interested in the likelihood of certain planets hosting life mm. beyond Earth. So NASA actually has this really fantastic series of data sets that you can go online. It's completely open source. You can go to their databases and you can just download like planets that they have found. And essentially, when you get those data sets, you can run simulations using a supercomputer. You are taking sort of the pathway of the planets and the main star that they're going around. And you're trying to work out the pathway, the orbit of that planet. Mm. What outcome would imply that there is life on that planet? So the outcome that would imply that would be it has to very closely mirror how Earth's ob orbit actually is around the sun. So let's say if a planet had a really unusual orbit that was like takes it beyond beyond the sun's or their star's reach, you'd actually know that that planet may not host well mm. certain kinds of life. And so did you find any with the same orbit? Yeah, there were some very close, very similar and you know, eventually those things make its way into papers and articles or like even an A3 sized sort of write up. And then that would get published at a conference or show their results. Mm. And it's a bit like a show and tell. So it's kind of cool. I mean, I did stay there for six years. I think one of the 
possibly the high points was being able to go to the Parkes Telescope, which is a telescope in New South Wales, and they actually let us walk on the dish. So the Parkes Telescope is featured in a movie called The Dish. And that was really, really, really cool that we could go on because members of the public can't actually go on the dish and like just walk on it. Yeah, so essentially it's a radio telescope. The whole point behind having this radio telescope is that Australia is a fantastic southern hemisphere. It's a fantastic place to actually look at the night sky because there's much less light pollution and you get a lot more stars in the sky. I mean, the researchers I went with were looking at something called pulsars, and pulsars are stars that essentially have died out but spin really quickly around a central axis, and that's where black holes open up. And recently, I think in the past year, they found out that gold was actually being made through these interactions. And the Mm. other one is to try and prove or disprove Einstein's theory of relativity. So that's essentially what these experiments are about to when they observe um, using radio telescopes. I'm very impressed from someone who now is all about law and who has a blog about law. So yeah, let's get into that. Can you tell us how you got into law, first of all, and then why you started the blog Legal Brew? Yes. So I guess to speed up the journey into law, what I ended up doing when I got to university was I I actually started a commerce and science degree. So I wanted to be a scientist, but I wasn't 100% sure where I wanted to head. And after a couple of years in the astrophysics department, I realized that a lot of that was about your ability to do maths. And maths was okay for me, but I didn't see myself as a maths whiz. So either I got onto that or I think about what else I could do, which I was also really passionate about. Other thing I was really passionate about was reading. I love books, all sorts of books, especially fantasy. At some point in my life in high school, I wanted to be a lawyer. And halfway through my undergrad degree, I thought maybe I need to rethink that and revisit you know, my interest in that. So the love for reading and just philosophy. So I found that philosophy and those sorts of ideas really was an important part of how I saw the world and the lens through which I saw the world. And I found that was really, really meaningful. And I thought, okay, maybe law has something for there for me. It's really funny because when I was young, I loved reading as well. Yeah. So bookworm. And Yay. I wanted to be a lawyer. That's <laughs> and fantastic. so all of my passwords had the word lawyer in it. Wow. <laughs> right. And even this now. This is a big reveal. No, even Don't now. Don't tell me you now have those passwords. <laughs> no, I still use one of those passwords for my laptop. It's lawyer a few numbers. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great reminder that when I was younger, I did want to do law. And I did have a passion for reading and writing. My English went backwards. And I'm like, okay, maybe I should focus on my numbers and my maths, which I really enjoyed. And I had great teachers for maths and physics, and that really shaped me and where it ended up. It's funny. Well, hopefully no one cracks that password. (laughs) You might want to change that now. Um, So I decided to make the leap. I couldn't make a decision halfway through my degree, and then it got to the real end where I was like, look, Candice, you really have to just get your shit sorted right now. 
Um, so I took my forms down to the student admin center and I just went, here you go, I'm quitting science. Basically did all my commerce requirements and yeah. I love that. I did yeah. economics and I love, love, love that. But for the science, I sort of left it on the back burner and I didn't do too many subjects. I was still sort of working at Swinburn in the astro department. I think it was really hard to think about now, how would I explain to these wonderful people that I am not going to be a scientist? I had to have a chat with the people in the astro department and they were really nice about it. That wasn't that bad after all. <laughs> yeah, so after that, I went into law. Had to sit something called the LSAT, which is the law entrance exam. Oh, well, it's sort of a competency test. It was for entry into the Juris Doctor and... That was a postgrad degree. The final year of my commerce degree, I had to sit that LSAT. And yeah, the LSAT was an interesting experience. I mean, it's an American thing. And the questions were odd, to say the least. I mean, really interesting, obviously. But under time pressure, it's like seriously stressful. You did it. Uh, I just, yeah. Wow, you hopped from science to law. (laughs) Yes. So then what happened was I ended up at law school The first semester was intense, to say the least. When everyone goes to law school, that's probably when people feel, at least in the first six months, they feel like they have to put their stamp on everything and basically show everyone that they're top dog. Mm. And that can be super intimidating. I've spent, I think, the first six months being intimidated by everyone who was super loud and opinionated. And I just thought, I'm going to die here. Oh my God. But at the same time, I really loved the subjects. I really took to it and it was really fun. And intellectually, I was challenged and stimulated and I loved it. So within the first, I would say within the first few weeks, I knew. I knew that law was my thing. Wow. I was quite lucky in that sense as well. Okay. So we know that you're good at everything. No. <laughs> but I do <laughs> Not wanna, at all. I do want to fast track to your blog. Yes. And how that started because you love science, you love reading, you love law, and then you also love writing it with a self-help twist. So Legal Brew is – the reason I started that was – my fourth year of private practice. So after law school, I went into what they call big law. And big law is essentially a very intense version of practicing law. A lot of it is spent in the office and you can work anywhere between 10 to 16 hour days. Some people work more if it's very, very busy. And so in my fourth year, I actually pretty much fell apart. (laughs) So I was working, you know, 16 hour days. I was flying to Sydney. I was flying to Perth. So it was a really intense year. I absolutely loved the law still and loved, you know, drafting all these submissions and things like that. But So which law were you in at that point? So I spent first three years in litigation, general commercial litigation. And then in my final year, I went to another firm and that was construction litigation and arbitration. It was a bit of a change, but not so different because, I mean, the principles are very similar. I mean, the work was fascinating, but I got to the point where I just thought I can't do this anymore. And after the seven, eight month mark, it was very obvious that I was falling apart. And 
it started as a slow burn where I started getting like this crazy reflux stuff and I was like what is wrong with me I can't figure out what's wrong with me Mm. and then it happened really fast like one day I was like at home for a whole week just feeling ill so I had to take that whole week off and I just thought like this this is just the stress of working this many hours it's not sustainable and And you didn't yeah realize at all until you hit that point I think because you're so in the moment you're so you're running so fast Mm. and you don't think about yourself you don't think about your own health and I see that in a lot of lawyers and something that usually puts the brakes on real hard is when they either have have a mental health issue or they literally physically fall apart mm. and their doctor's like, you got to like just do something about it. You got to take time off. The standard response from most lawyers is like, no, I've got like all this work. I've, all my clients are waiting for me. Like partner wants this, th- that and the other. And sometimes you actually have to just say enough is enough and you got to just stop. And so it got to that point and I realized that, yes, I actually have to stop. I went to my GP a couple of times. I think in the last time she was so lovely. I think she basically said, you have to have a break. And I just broke down in the clinic and I just cried. (laughs) And then after that was sort of like picking up the pieces. And so I think a lot of lawyers can relate to this because there are times where you get so busy that you completely lose track of what's important whether it's your health or, you know, your family or your relationships, like all those things need to be nurtured and you can't just pretend it doesn't exist. So actually the genesis of Legal Brew really was when I was at that really low point and I was on Google just trying to find someone who wrote about their experience that was similar to mine. Okay, I found like maybe two or three people who wrote an article and then there were lawyers who sort of moved on. It was few and far between because I can understand in law, you don't really want to maybe put yourself out there. It's you don't want to feel vulnerable because lawyers need to look strong and have their shit together. And it's like, nah, most people don't. Um, Most people don't. They might have a perfect, you know, exterior, but actually there's a lot of stuff that isn't quite right and needs Mm. looking after. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought at that time I have to really do something about this when I am on the other side and when I can talk about it properly to people who need it. Mm -hmm. Um, So essentially after that crazy last year, I decided to quit without finding a job, which some people thought was totally crazy. At that point, I just knew I had to do it because if I went from one job to another without a break and to a similar dynamic I would completely fall apart and at that point I think my partner said like you were really lucky to not get a mental health issue at the end of that because you could have easily been that Mm. and yeah it's something that it's really important we just have to talk about it and say you know look there's hours that we shouldn't be working and and I think it's important that when you go through something like that, that you give it time to process. So you having that break and not just jumping into another job yeah, allows you to prioritise yourself yeah, and get yourself ready before you jump in, you know. It's not just going to help you, but it also helps your workplace. Yeah, 
yeah. with your head screwed on. Yeah. And, and yeah. yeah, there are times when you actually have to take time out to just heal and say, this time is for me and it's okay. And you have to really, for anyone who's thinking of doing this, just listen to yourself, listen to what's right for you because there will be people who say, like, for example, when I quit and I basically told my firm, there was a partner who just said, oh, so what are you going to do next? And it was sort of like, yes, you, as a lawyer, you just can't stop working or you just can't have a career break. And actually, I think career breaks are really important to put things into perspective on what you are okay with and what line you will not cross. Mm-hmm. And that is actually super important. And, and it's that's empowering. Why, yeah, it's it empowering is empowering. to know what your needs are and where you can compromise. And everyone's is different. Yeah. And I think when you work in that kind of balance, then you can be at your optimum. Yeah. But you have to know yourself first. Yes, you do. Yeah. And I think what you said, like everyone's different, that's really true because, I mean, I worked with people who could easily pull 16-hour days And they were kind of fine. Like Mm -hmm. they were okay. They could power through. They didn't have that many obligations. You know, they didn't have kids. They didn't have anyone they needed to hang out with. So it was okay for them. Mm -hmm. And they were also physically okay. Mm. So, but for other people, it might not be. So I think you also have to assess like who are you as a person and like what your limits are. You So you did bring in your journal. Yes. Is there something you want to read and what is the context of it? Well, I think the context at the bit I extracted. So there were really the before and after moments of when I was in my fourth year and of private practice Mm. and then a journal entry afterwards um, or sort of close to close to the end when Mm -hmm. I was leaving. Actually, it's the 10th of October, 2016. And it was 15 minutes past midnight because that was pretty much the only time I had to write about stuff. So life at the moment lacks a sense of purpose and self-determination that every human should have. This is an entirely crucial part of our elemental selves. Purpose is crucial to creating that spark of creativity. And then I say on the 3rd of November, many in their life are time poor chasing after things they desire and losing the meaning and feel of what constitutes a meaningful existence. So much of life can be lived in fear, chasing one thing to the next. So many of us do not understand what it means to live within our capacity. And then sort of towards the end, I think I started becoming more positive. And on the 1st of March, 2017, it feels like a turn of the era in some ways. I shall not complain about the journey to date. The positive element of the journey is that I'm thoroughly enjoying the practice of law and the potential to make a difference within this framework. And I think that's where Legal Brew was born. So after that, I went to work for a judge in the Supreme Court as an associate and really enjoyed that, learned a lot. And then after I went on to my current role as a lawyer in government, I decided to start Legal Brew properly. So, yeah, that's the story to date. And I'm very glad that, you know, you can see, you know, where you started and how you ended up being very positive and very appreciative. And I think sometimes going through the tough times in life will lead you to be more appreciative and more grateful for your life. And that's a human thing. Yeah, it's sort of the human experience and you sort of have to 
realize that you're in the moment and really just enjoy that. So we're up to the five quick questions. So I know you love traveling. You've blogged about some traveling as well. Where is your favorite place? I think the latest place I blogged about was Slovenia. And there are these amazing caves in Slovenia because they're just lots and lots of caves. But this one is a heritage, world heritage listed one, which is called Skotsian Caves. And it's just an incredible experience. You go in and you realize that you're so tiny compared to this gigantic cavern that can fill a whole skyscraper. And you also, that journey also makes you realize that the sort of length of human endeavor and the spirit of adventure, because there is a modern walking path, which is totally safe and like guardrailed and everything. But then there's also the old path, which is what people used to take. And it was literally hand carved stairs Mm. along the side of this cliff face and some really dodgy looking ropes to get yourself across to the other (laughs) side. And you're like, how do they do that without just breaking everything completely? And it makes you realize the history of human endeavor and that hope that people have about life and the future and exploration. I like that you wear a lot of colorful stuff sometimes. What is your favorite colorful item? It's this dress that my aunt handed down to me. And I think it's definitely vintage. Like she had it when she was in her 20s. So it's this super colorful dress that has all sorts of squiggers. It kind of looks like a Matisse or art piece Mm. that you can kind of wear around. And a lot of people comment about it. I'm like, yes, there's a history behind this. What color is it? It's multicolored. So there's green, red, black, white, yellow. Yeah. Awesome. You wear it to work? (laughs) Yes, I do. I do. People are very lucky to see it then. (laughs) This art piece. Thanks to my aunt. What is your morning routine? Because you do so much. How do you get yourself ready for the day? I have been starting this new routine since the new year, which is get up, drink a cup of water, do my stretches, and then I go out for a run come back and then yeah I'm ready for the day and I found that has given me a lot of energy what is one thing that you've learned recently that you need to share with everyone I wouldn't say it's a super recent thing but recent in terms of general phase of life is to read this book and I really encourage lawyers in particular to read this book called Mindset by Carol Dweck and it's about how we should be open to possibilities of learning and always constantly not try and be right all the time, but to actually think about how we can be better and grow. That's one thing that has really changed me, I think, since I left private practice and then started reading a whole lot more. Actually, things like failure and, you know, not getting things or the way you want the first time is actually a really crucial learning experience and we should just take that on board. What is the craziest idea that we've had that you need to say out loud, that you need to do at some point? Oh, my God. (laughs) I feel like at some point I would love to get all the Legal Brew readers together and we will share our joys and commiserations together about the practice of law and how exciting and exhilarating it can be and how difficult it can be at the same time. 
it's a good um, vision but to at have. Some point, at some point, I'd love to get people together and we can talk about law. And the general, generally curious are also invited. Thank you. Because <laughs> obviously law applies to everyone and we should all be passionate about it. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that's the whole point of Legal Brew, I guess. Thank you so much, Candice. I enjoy chatting with you. Had so much fun. And I'm so grateful that you're my last guest. Yay! Yay. Awesome. Thank you so much, Noong. You've just listened to the Everyday People podcast with Nyong Vo. You can find out more about Candice on Instagram at legal underscore brew or find her on LinkedIn. To subscribe to her weekly letter, go to www.legalbrew.com.au. Listen to more episodes of the Everyday People podcast with inspiring everyday people on iTunes or Spotify.